All right. Hello, everyone. I am going to be speaking on the prophetic this morning. <clears throat> Hello, everyone. This podcast is going to be about the prophetic this morning. It's not going to be a Bible teaching about the prophetic, but it's going to be a look from a life coaching perspective, from mental model perspective on the prophetic. So this idea of a mental model is, is a mental model is a term that basically simplifies the concepts and beliefs we have created that help us understand how we think life works. All right. So a mental model is a construct that we've put together over time that helps us navigate the waters of this world. So when we hear the word even prophetic, you have a mental model that you've already put that word prophetic into. <clears throat> you already have set in place a mental model of money, a mental model of marriage, a mental mo model of how politics work. You have a mental model of how your pastor should and should not operate what he or she should or should not do. And part of your mental model is that it might not be appropriate for your pastor to be a she, which of course I think is ridiculous, but that's still out there. So we have mental models and they're, they're helpful in that they put some barriers and some boundaries, which are boundaries are good. Um, they bring them in, but so many of our mental models are unintentional default models we can't articulate them but we're seeing the entire world from these mental models and i think that scripture and preaching and reading things that don't quite agree with us help us not get rid of our mental models but it helps us see i want an intentional purposeful a mental model that i have chosen not a mental model that my parents chose for me that I just adapted. That's a default model or my culture because of where I was born, because of the religion I was in, because of the sex that I am or the gender that I am. So I think that the mental model is an important thing to think about when we're talking about scripture, but specifically today when we're talking about the prophetic. Now, per, by prophetic, I mean people giving words, saying or insinuating or implying that God has spoken to them and told them something. It could be simply from God told me that you should not take that job. That's a, that would be could be considered prophetic. The very base level prophetic is speaking forth the heart of God to the very biggest most controversial level is god's giving me word for the direction of the church or or the direction of the nation or the directions that everybody should take and they're all idiots if they don't take what i say that god told me so when you think about that it's it's it, it's the whole it's the whole enchilada it's the whole spectrum so when i talk about the prophetic it's the whole spectrum from that smallest to god loves you that's a prophetic word to speak to somebody that's completely unlovable and it can be very piercing to their heart when you say something like that when you speak even scripture to somebody that could be prophetic that could be profound that could be extremely uh perfect timing to give that gift to the really big the really big extreme guys that pro prophesied that trump 
will be elected again and is actually still the president of the United States. Right on. So my mental models, that's what I'm going to share with you today. My mental mental models, the way I think about things, the way I synthesize prophetic information, not not even the prophetic information at first, but when, when I hear of somebody and somebody says they're prophetic and they gave this word, I listen to that person, the prophetic person first before their word. And there's some things that I synthesize and bring that word into um, my life or not. So I only listen to 80% of the time. It's it's that mentorship mentality that I talked about in one of the podcasts about habits. It's the mentorship mentality. So I only listen to three to five prophetic people. And I, and I constantly judge what they're saying is that is appropriate. I constantly think, is this true? Is this not true? What is this saying about maybe what they're going through? Is this just their world perspective that's gotten away from the kingdom in the way of the kingdom perspective? So I, I and this idea of mentorship is the idea that I'm not going to listen to 30 people off a list and read their prophetic words all the time. I'm not going to listen to uh, every guy on Facebook or every person on an email or whatever. I will listen to if somebody sends me a prophetic word from somebody they like, they've listened to, I will almost always listen to it unless I've gone through enough of them that I don't, I don't trust them. I don't believe them. I don't think they're speaking on behalf of the Lord on a regular basis. Okay. Their batting average is way too low and I don't want them on my team. So I listen regularly, not even regularly, three to five guys, girls, men or whoops. I listen regularly to three to five men or women at a, and, and I, I, uh, I will add on three to five others, uh, but, but, but they're like 20% of the time that I listen to those guys, but it, and it's only out of curiosity or because somebody sent them to me. All right. So I'm a big believer in that, but I'm also a big believer in mental models and not only what do you think like i believe this but how did i get here how am i thinking where i got here where i don't believe the prophetic even is valid for today how did i get here where i think that every prophetic word holds weight for me how did i get where i believe in the prophetic but i ignore the prophetic how did i get here how am I thinking, not just what am I thinking? So that's a that's a long introduction into what this is about. But I, I, I think these things are important. These, this uh, finding our intentional models of thinking and finding out um, uh, how to work them with scripture, with the Holy Spirit, and with other people around us. I think we have too many conversations that are seem like deep on on facebook and on social media and we read things and we can we can like consume some information but then we come up with it's still like a default always changing model and i'm not saying don't change your model but get it get a structure in there in place of what you believe about the prophetic and who you're going to listen to and it's a mental model and again that mental model simplifies and puts together your concepts and beliefs that you've that you've created that you've curated that you've brought in and it helps you understand how life works and how you see life works. And the more you're aware of it, the more you can use it to your benefit. I'm not going to put these in any specific order, but first, 
I believe in the prophetic. I believe in all of its, you know, good, bad, and ugly. I believe in the 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 worst of it and the and the the best of it. Okay, I don't believe in the worst of it, but I believe in in all of it. There's some best of it, and there's some really good in it. And I have a little file that I have prophetic words that have been given to me, and they mean something to me. And I've got a lot of off words. I've I've got some really uh, destabilizing words or some words that were I think were just to throw me off track. And but they're from people I didn't listen to their words, so they didn't have any impact on me. So I believe in the prophetic. The second thing is I believe the prophetic, like everything else, ought to have boundaries and guidelines for how it is meant to scripturally operate in the context of your church, your ministry, your life between friends. There's got to be guidelines of how it works. The, the, the prophetic word is so valuable, it's so precious that we should want to protect it, all right? Now, some of us have gone and said, no protection at all. It's a free-for-all. It's the wild, wild west. And anybody with an attitude and anybody with the confidence can prophesy. And they don't have to stick by any boundaries, any principles, any rules. It's whatever God tells them, that's it, that's that. But the antidote to that, the solution to that isn't going, well, the prophetic is wrong and everybody who has a wrong word should die as in the Old Testament. I don't think that's New Testament thinking. And... So it's not it, the, the boundaries get, help us contain it to move it forward, to keep it fresh, to keep it pure, to keep it moving in the right direction. So also, I think we should completely judge the prophetic word as that is one of the few things we're told what to do with it. We're told to fight with the prophetic word. And then Paul, uh, Paul tells Timothy to fight with the prophetic word, but he also tells the church to judge the prophetic word. I don't I, I don't understand why we can't you have some nuance in this word judge and people throw judge not lest you be judged. But this is the appropriate judgment, the 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 separating the good from the bad, the separating from the healthy and the unhealthy, the separating from the helpful and the unhelpful. We should be judging the prophetic word and we can judge the prophetic word with the same heart and intent that we would want our words to be judged and our intentions to be judged. Now, we can judge the prophetic word without judging the prophet. I think that's where we've got it wrong, okay? And I'm talking about judging the prophet in my own life that's around me, that I'm talking to, that I'm listening to, that's sitting and giving me prophetic words or saying something prophetic. It's I have a right. I have not only a right, I think I have an obligation, and you have an obligation to judge that word. And if you're listening to so many words all the time, you're not going to be able to judge them. So that's why, again, you narrow it down, put some boundaries on it, get some mentors, people that you're listening to prophetically, then that's that. You can listen to a few others and you know, you, you're, you're always moving and adapting in there, but judge that prophetic word. Also, I think any prophetic gifting that is operating outside of the context of a church structure or a church family or church relationship is probably going to get off track pretty quick, pretty early on in a pretty devastating way for that ministry and people who follow that ministry. We are a church family. And again, I don't like all this. We don't need to be in church to be a Christian. You're right. You don't need to be in church to be a Christian. You don't need to be in your home to be a biological dad. But you do need to be in the house if you want to be a spiritual dad. If you want to be a spiritual mom, 
you got to be in the house. You got to be in the mess. You got to be in the relationship. So the prophetic often opts out for that because they have not learned the skills that it takes to speak well, to hold their tongue, probably to hold their tongue first, to hold their tongue, to check their heart, to speak well, to serve a local body in practical ways before they start prophesying and for them to come into the body of Christ and not have their identity as a prophet be the most important thing that they have to give. On this judgment part, is any prophet, pastor, teacher, any speaker that says that they should not be judged or you're judging me and that's wrong, I simply stop listening to them. I take them out of my list. I, I intentionally remove them because, in, again, in my mental model, in my mental model, they don't fit as qualified to speak prophetically or to teach me if they say that they shouldn't be judged. The truth is, after a couple decades in the pulpit, a couple decades to three decades teaching, is that the pastor is the most judged person in the church. Whoever's speaking, whoever is up front, you're saying, I'm going to speak, I'm going to share the word of God. As God's taught me, I'm going to teach you. That's what I'm learning. I'm going to show you. The prophet is saying, I've heard God and this is it. And a lot of times a prophetic word is a directional word or uh, uh, aimed at our motives in our heart. So that person, we need to be okay with being judged. And we need to assume that there are some people that are judging us appropriately, kindly, for our benefit. I want you to hear that. If you're in the pulpit, you should assume not the worst of everybody. There's some worse out there, but ignore the worst. Don't get your feelings hurt from the worst. Assume there's people out there that are judging you for your benefit, for your growth, to help you see more of how you're you're being received or not received by people i absolutely do not believe i don't know why i'm laughing in secret codes that are found in the bible that will blow all foundational truths that we already know away i don't think that happens anybody that starts that direction i don't listen to them i do not listen to them it's that simple no, no, no. I don't listen to them. I would suggest that you don't listen to them. In 47 years of being spirit-filled, the first guy I ever heard that was prophetic was Mario Murillo in Grants Pass, Oregon. In 40 years or more of being spirit-filled, I've never seen it turn out well when somebody says, this is super secret. Only really smart people, only really spiritual people, only people in the know will understand this. I've never seen that turn out well. It's a dead end. And a lot of people are dying in dead ends and they're leaving the church and they're leaving the prophetic in disappointment. So no secret codes. Rather, there's an unveiling, a revealing, a deepening of, of ancient truths that we can find in scripture and in church history, in the, in the spiritual aspects of church history. I stop listening to anybody who starts persuading people to leave the church. I do not understand 
why people would want other people to leave the church. I've seen people gather people away from the church and say, we're going to be really different. God told us this is how the church is supposed to look. Again, a prophetic word. God told us this is how the church is going to look. And we're going to do something different. And then six months, a year, six years, they've built a church and it's fallen apart and it's hurt people, but they've drawn people away from the fivefold ministry, from pastoral gifts, from teaching gifts, from community. And it's not a healthy thing. So I just don't listen to people who draw people away from the church. On, on, on this one regarding prophets and politics, I don't listen a lot to prophets that speak about politics. Unless there's something actionable on my heart, unless there's something showing me something in my heart that I can act upon, I think a lot of it's nonsense. It's just nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. Now, there are bits and pieces where they do prophesy things that do come. But there's so much, there's so much sparkle or glitter in there. There's so much fantastical thinking in there that I don't listen to a lot of the stuff on the prophetic. In one day of last year, maybe two years ago, I, I subscribed to a, 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 a finance magazine, a newsletter called The Gilder Report, G-I-L-D-E-R. And they'll have a list of like, you know, seven things to look for, five things to look for. These are what you, this is what's coming. And when I can take that Gilder report or another financial report. And I can line it up to what the prophet is prophesying for the next year. And it's it's really it's kind of saying the same thing. And but 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 what the prophet has done is matched up scripture and spirituality in buy gold, don't buy gold, the stock market, wars, famine, stuff like that. When it's all based on what I'm seeing in this non-Christian, non-spiritual report over here, I, I question it. I'm like, hmm, I'm not sure. That's a prophetic word I'm going to listen to. And that prophetic person looks like they read too much and listen from the culture rather than from the kingdom. I realize I'm saying I don't listen. I don't listen to anyone who blah, 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 blah. I, just, I don't follow them. I don't listen to them. I do hear them. Again, people send me stuff. I'm in you know, groups and things like that. I get certain newsletters. So I do hear some of that. But I, I, uh, I don't trust. I don't listen to anyone who is a distraction to the prophetic that is a distraction to living scripture out as seen in the epistles and acts and the gospels, anyone that prophesies and they're a distraction to living out the Christian life. I suspect them. I suspect that they're, they're lifting something higher up and not attaching it to anything here on earth. And I think the prophetic is attached to things on earth. I think that we, what the prophetic is to motivate us, encourage us, challenge us it's there to help us along those lines anyone uh that's a distraction the pro the prophetic that is a distraction from salvation from discipleship from equipping the saints from inner healing from true freedom they always seem off to me 
they always seem not quite right. And I wonder about them. Why aren't they building something other than just the prophetic? And I know they are prophetic, and I want them to do prophetic and stay in that lane, but they can partner with other people that will bring discipleship, that will bring inner healing, that will bring teaching to their prophetic. Because a lot of prophetic people are really bad teachers. I mean, a lot of prophetic people, honestly, are really bad communicators, and they haven't done the work to sharpen their gift to learn how to communicate in a different way, in a way that's that's uh, that can be received by people. And I think we miss that as prophetic as what prophetic people. Now, I have a bit of a prophetic personality. I can be incredibly blunt. However, I've learned nuance. I've learned layers of gray. I've learned how to take five minutes to get into a topic instead of the first five seconds to get into a topic. So that's important. It's really important for us to learn how to speak to the people we're speaking to. I don't go down to, to, to Panama and expect everybody to speak English. I get a translator. I learn some Spanish. I do something so people can hear and understand and receive what I have to say. This is a, this one is a personal pet peeve of mine, but I think they're all a personal pet peeve of mine. Actually, I've been thinking these thoughts all the last few years. I just, I wrote them down this year, but anyone who prophesies constantly negativity for people, negativity for groups of people, negativity for America and destruction for America or destruction for the world. I completely ignore them. I'm like, talk to the hand. I don't know if they still do that anymore. I should go talk to the hand. Somewhere right there. Just, I don't need to listen to them. Prophecy always, that's always negative is a negative for me. One thing I think that is uh part of my constructive, my mental model is eventually over time, and it might just be my age and my own awareness of my own woundedness, but over time, it seems like the guys that, the, the guys being generic term, the guys that veer off in their teaching and their preaching and how they're living their life, before they veer off, you can, you can begin to hear the woundedness in them, the the, the prophesying for their own identity instead of prophesying from the identity they have in Christ. Prophesying to get, hey, that was good, that was great, and get position instead of prophesying from a position that they already have in heaven. And so it used to be I would just hate those guys and what losers, you know, blah, blah, blah. In my mind, I, I would judge them inappropriately. I'd judge them with the wrong heart. Now when I'm judging them, I'm hearing their woundedness, and I feel for them. I feel tender for them, even when I don't want to. It's just funny. I feel bad for them, and I know they've got a hard road to walk if they continue to move in ministry and not get help with their, with their woundedness in their life. So I'm going I'm to close here in a minute. I'm going to give you one more than a, just a personal thing about my prophetic personality but prophets tend to forget that they're simply part of a team prophets are part of a team i talked about that but if you're 
a prophetic person and you're not looking for a teacher, if you're a prophetic person and you're not being pastored and you don't have a pastor around you to help you with the people that you're around, then that's going to be a problem for you. If you're a prophetic person and you don't have an evangelistic friend that's helping you again with nuance in your language of how you're speaking to non-believers, but yet you still want to prophesy, but then people are rejecting what you're saying and you think they're rejecting God, but they're just rejecting you. They're rejecting your woundedness or they're rejecting your aggression or they're rejecting your, your, your lack of speaking their language. And when we begin to be aware of that, that the prophetic person is simply part of a team, that's a powerful thing. And that prophetic person will be a lot better off in life, but they'll be more content. They'll be happier. They'll be more settled and they will prophesy at a greater level and it will be received better. And I just thought about this in, in all of this is that when you, when the pastor of the church partners realizes that he's just part of a team and he partners with an evangelist and or a teacher and a prophet and an apostle, then that pastor will walk better and more health and more friendship. And he will begin to pastor at a greater level and see things much more effectively. The prophetic person is the one I think that wants to stay out of community, though is maybe the one that needs community most, or they're the one who needs to work the hardest to be part of a community. And I don't mean like, oh, I've got to change everything in order to fit in. It's I've got to put some boundaries on myself, learn the language, learn the culture, you know, get some, get some, some trust in the bank account before I start prophesying, that type of thing. And prophets tend to forget that they need people in their lives that they can trust more than they can trust themselves. And I think that's a difficult thing. They need people in their life that they can trust more than they trust their, themselves. So when they say, hey, God told me this, there's one or two or three people they can say that to, and they can say, hey, I want your feedback no matter what it is. I've never had a friend tell me you're a hundred percent wrong. Now I have a prophetic personality. And when I think something is right, I go after it. When I think something is wrong, I say something, I go after that also. And there's nothing I can do about that prophetic personality. That's not even true. I'm going somewhere. There's a few things I can do with that prophetic personality. I, I can just say, that's how I am and just be that way. Or I can say, I shouldn't be that way and tamp it all down. Or I can say, God designed me for courage, for strength, for idea, for opinion, for sharpness, for directness, for clarity. God created me that way. And that's his part. My part is, is, is taking smart, wise, diligent stewardship of that gift and sharpening it. Not so I'm sharper or clearer, but that I can be heard better. Okay. Now, if I'm always assuming that what I know or what I heard or what I think or how I am clear is right, then that's pride. And that's when I hurt people. And that's when you hurt people. So I have people in my life that I give myself over to in my conversations and I sit with them and I talk. And if you recorded me, you think that guy is a total idiot or that guy is super mean. 
but they give me permission to say whatever I want. And then they parse out the ugly wounded parts of me. They give me better language if I'm spot on in things, but it's a, it's a hurtful way I'm saying things. Now, an example of trusting someone more than I trust myself is when they say, when I say, hey, somebody asked me to go speak and they say, no, don't go speak there. And they don't have to give me a reason. This last time, somebody gave me, my buddy gave me a reason. They didn't go speak there. Of course, at first, I'm like, oh, dang it. Why, why, why? I'm like, come on, tell me. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't see that. And I even go away from the conversation, not seeing it sometimes. And I still say no, and I don't speak there. And I laugh about it. And I've never not seen what they were saying sometime later on in my life. One thing I want to throw in here is that you can find me on Substack. It's the journey life with less Heron. You can find me at Substack. You can find me. I think you can find me on YouTube, but I, I think it's under my personal name. I, I, I haven't realized that I, I, until recently under Leslie Heron. You can also just send me an email at less les at the journey.tv less at the journey.tv. And I will send you some links so you can connect with me. I'd appreciate that. I'd appreciate you sharing my information, giving me some feedback, giving me some hearts on Substack or some thumbs, thumbs up on other places. All right. God bless you.